All right, good morning. Welcome to everybody here at our main campus. Welcome to all of you guys that are joining us online. So we are continuing on in this series called Dream Again. And so give you a little background. Why are we doing the series? What do I think is going on culturally and, and with people that we need to talk about this? So one of the things that um, I know is if I would go and talk to people, not everybody, but the majority of people that I would talk to and I'd go up to them and I'd say, tell me what you're dreaming about. Most people would be like, uh, one, they would have to think about it for quite a while, you know, and or they would just flat out say, I'm just trying to figure out tomorrow, or I'm just trying to figure out today. I'm just trying to get through life. The whole idea of dreaming about something bigger than what's just in front of me is, is something that I just don't do. So we know that the busyness of life has kept us from being able to dream the way that God wants us to dream. So hopefully through this series, we'll continue to give you the motivation to say, you know what, that God wants us to dream and there's reasons behind it and he wants us to be, be able to use us in that way. So one, that he wants us to dream, but we're distracted from that. The other part of it is, is that if you look at dreams, the other reason that people don't dream is because you tried it once. You know, and I don't know if you'll admit this, but like I admit this all the time, like part of the problem is people dream and they get really excited and they have faith because somebody told them to dream and they went out and they read a book and they're all jacked about it and they get out and do it. And then all of a sudden it was like, right. And they're like, that was terrible. You know, I had all my heart and soul and mind into this dream and I went after it. And I mean, it just sucked and it didn't work. And so you're like, I don't know if I want to do it again. Like, I don't know if I want to put myself through it. You know, I don't want to know if I want to put myself out there and then all of a sudden it doesn't work. So some people aren't dreaming because they've had their dreams dashed in the past. And so they're unwilling to go out from there. The other time or the other part of that is maybe you were somebody that supported somebody else's dream. And you're like, you know, your husband, your wife, your kids, somebody came up to you and, you know, a colleague said, here's my dream. And you're like, I'm all in the dream and I'm going to invest and I'm going to give my time and I'm going to give the money. And you went down that road. And the same thing is like maybe happened to some of you personally where it didn't go so good. Well, it also didn't go so good with them. And you're like, I'm never stepping foot in that place again, right? You supported somebody else's dreams and you were hurt and you had the fallout that comes from again, supporting somebody else's dream. So we have to come back to, so if we live in a world that culturally keeps us from dreaming the way that God wants us to dream, what do we need to do? Well, the first thing we need to realize is if you are a Christian person, right? So if you're here today and you've given your life to Jesus Christ, here's one of the things that we know, like it's a given. Scripture tells us God wants you to dream, right? That God wants you to have God-sized dreams, and he wants us to be able to live out that dream. So we have to start with this idea that if we're Christian people, these are the things that he calls us to do. Now, we just have to figure out how to get over what happened in the past and be able to move on with what he has for us in the future. So last week, this is what we talked about. So if you're struggling with this, um, I dreamed before and it didn't work, I've never dreamed again, dreamed, you know, lately, or I'm so busy I can't get it done, what's the danger as a Christian person of not dreaming? So that was what we talked about last week. So there's danger in not dreaming. And here's what we looked at last week, just real quick. Proverbs 29, 18 says this, without vision, people perish, right? So it's not talking about a physical perish, but what it's talking about is that you could live your entire life just getting through, staying busy. You know, you might be successful in the world's eyes, but you get to the end of it and, and your life didn't matter, Right? Like, your life just didn't matter. And so when it says 
the people will perish, then what he's saying is, is that if you don't have any vision, you could waste your entire life. You could live on this earth and the world could say you were successful, but you could get to the end of your life and it didn't mean anything. We also know that for every person in this room, if you call yourself a Christian, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, will be accountable for your life, right? 2 Corinthians 5.10 says you will stand in front of the Bema seat, which is the judgment seat of Christ. So you're going to stand in front of the Bema seat of Christ and answer yourself two questions. The first question, what did you do with Jesus? Gives you entrance into the kingdom of God because you accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. But you know what comes next? You are judged for all of the things done in the body, good and bad. There's this book called the Book of Works, Book of Life, get you in, Book of Works, right? So it's being recorded. How you're spending your time and what you're doing is being recorded, and guess what? You're accountable, right? Like, we're going to go through the book someday. You know, Jesus is saying, we're going to go through this book someday, and we're going to look at the moments that we're given, because we're all given moments on this earth, right? So the time we're born to the time we die, it's a set time that we're given, each one of us. And he says, don't waste your time, right? But the problem with people is going to be is, is that they're going to live their life, and they're just going to try to exist, and then they're going to get to the end, and, and you're going to start reviewing this book, and, and Jesus is just going to be like, what were you doing? Like, I get it, you were successful in your business, and what? Like, I get it, you had a great retirement, and what? I get it that you had great accolades, and what? Right? Because you know the only thing that matters in the end is this, right? People. When he says, well done, good and faithful servant, you know why you can say well done, good and faithful servant? Because we put our life into the things that matter. You know what matters at the end? It's not your business and it's not your money. It's not your accolades. It's not your education. It's not anything. You know what matters at the end? People. It's all that matters at the end. Like you could be successful in the world's eyes, but you could stand in front of Jesus when he's saying, well done, good and faithful servant. He said, because I gave you this time and you used this time and you could be successful in business and you could be successful in sports and you could be successful in college. You can be successful in everywhere else. As long as the purpose of that success was to say, did I get a chance to share Jesus? Right? So there's danger in not dreaming because we could end up wasting our entire life. The other part of it is, this is what we're going to talk about today. There's also danger in dreaming, right? So there's danger in not dreaming, but there's also danger in dreaming. So if you're going to put yourself out there, you know, and you're going to say, you know what, I'm open to these God-sized dreams and I'm going to get in the game because that's what I would tell people. If you're not dreaming, you're probably not in the game, right? If you're not listening to the Lord and, and, and doing what he tells us to do, I'm not talking about just like these huge dreams that are out of the, the scope of everything. I'm saying he wants to speak to you and he wants to give you vision of what he wants to your life. And if we're not in the game, you know, if we're not listening, there's a good chance we're just sitting on the sidelines watching life go by, right? We're just, we're seeing that. So if you're going to get in the game, if you're going to take a step out in faith, if you're going to live the way that God's called you to live, you know what the danger in that is, that dreaming? Is there's opposition coming, because you have an enemy, right? And here's what you need to know about your enemy, okay? Your enemy knows this. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, he cannot take your salvation, but he can get you so distracted that you could waste your entire life. That's the way the enemy works. He knows what he can take away, which is not your salvation, but he can make you ineffective in this world, right? So he's going to be, so you have opposition coming. If you're going out there and you think this road of dreaming is going to be easy, listen, it's not going to be easy. You're going to go against opposition and you're going to face opposition and you need to know that you have an enemy, 
right? Here's the other thing that, that we need to know. It's not only Satan being our enemy. You know when it comes to dreaming and living by faith, Satan also uses other people as his tools to destroy your dreams, right? So it's not just, so I'm going to, I tell you that for two reasons. Be aware of it because you're going to have people that are going to be doing this when you dream. But you have those people. They can't stop yapping. You know what I mean? And they're the ones that want to discourage you and they're the ones that want to take it away. They're the ones that want to, you know, destroy what you're doing. They're the ones that want to gossip to everybody else about what you're doing so that they can figure out they couldn't do it. So if they tear you down, then they can be at the same level. Have any been around those people? So I would say that to be aware of it. And I would say the other thing, don't be one of those people. Because it's easy to sit on the other side of it and look at what somebody else is doing and do the same thing, right? To sit on the, same, to, to sit on the sidelines and look at somebody else who is dreaming and, and, again, allow Satan to use you to cause division or discouragement or the things that are going with it. Like, he tries to use people, and I'm not even saying people that aren't saved. He used lots of Christian people to discourage other Christian people. You know? Because there's a lot of Christian people who just rather live in a safe world and not a dangerous world. So anytime they see anybody living dangerously, they're like, can you tone it down a little? I mean, come on. I mean, we don't want to, like, get things too stirred up. We don't want to have too much controversy or too much conflict. So know that you're going to have opposition when it comes to that. The other thing is the danger in dreaming is, is that your dreams get distorted, right? Here's the other thing that I want you to see. There are people who have started off with God. I have this dream and I want to be successful and I want to use this business and this business to make money and it makes money and, and then we're going to give it all away and we're going to try to reach people and then they reach their dream and they, their dream becomes distorted because now all of a sudden what they depended on before for God, for everything, now you've now become God. You ever meet these people that they needed God and they don't need him anymore now that they reach their dream? And not only have they become God, their dream has become their God. You know, in the beginning it was God and dream and come true. And now all of a sudden in the pursuit of the dream, you felt like you are now God and your God has become, your, your dream has become your God and you've forgotten it altogether. And I've just seen way too many people do this. It gets completely distorted. As soon as somebody, God helps them achieve a dream and then they get up there and then all of a sudden they live on a pedestal above everybody else. You know, and everybody else is down here and they're up there. So don't let your dreams, the danger of dreaming is when your dreams become reality, don't forget who gave you the dream, right? And never let your dream become your God. And don't forget that the reason that you are successful, right? Don't define yourself. And we're going to talk about this later on. Don't define yourself by your success and don't define yourself by your failure, at the end of the day, we're just servants for God, and he's using us. And so we're going to be successful at times, and you're going to fail at times. And you know what? Don't get too caught up in either one of them. Okay? So there's danger in the midst of that. So today, here's what I hope to do. So we're going to look at what we looked at last week, Acts 2, 1 through 21. So last week, we looked at that from the concept of setting a foundation for dreaming. Right? If you're going to dream, you need to have a foundation, and Acts 2 gives us a foundation of how God uses the Holy Spirit living in our lives to give us the ability to be able to dream. Right? So that's what he starts with. So in Acts 2, we're going to look at a foundation. Then as we look at that foundation, then I'm going to hopefully teach you some principles. If you're stuck, because this is what I heard last week from some people, like you said, dream, and I went out and I really wanted to dream, and then I'm like, I got nothing. 
right? Like I, I just, I couldn't, nothing happened and nothing changed and nothing was revealed to me. So I'm going to maybe give you some practical principles that you can take away today that would be like, here's some things that you could do, right? So you could walk away today. Here's some ways to open your heart up to dreaming. If you haven't been open up dreaming, I'll give you some ways to open your heart to dreaming. And then I'm going to give you some practical things to walk through when the dream is starting to be revealed. And I'm going to use my own personal life of like, this is how I walk through. God gave me a dream. These are the things that came up. And I'm going to walk through this idea of how I worked with God through those processes. So Acts 2, let's look at that quick and we'll read all the way through it and set this foundation or as a reminder of what's going on. So again, remember, Jesus' Acts is Acts of the Apostles. Jesus, you know, has died, raised from the dead, tells them to wait after you get this gift that he's going to give them, then you're going to be able to do things that you weren't able to do before. So they were waiting in the upper room, and this is what happened. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So just real quick, Holy Spirit that comes on people. So when do you get the Holy Spirit? Right after you're saved. So every single person who is saved in this room got the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is now living inside of you. And just so we know, just a recap, if the Holy Spirit's living inside of you, you are able to do things that you couldn't do before the Holy Spirit was living inside of you. Right? That's what it shows. They weren't speaking in tongues. Holy Spirit came in. Now they can speak in tongues. You gave your life to Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit's living in you. You were this way before. You should be this way now, and it should be different. Like You should be able to do things you couldn't do before the Holy Spirit. So as you think about dreaming and the obstacles of dreaming, just remember you were given the Holy Spirit to overcome those obstacles. Right? He was giving you the power to be able to do it. All right. Verse 5, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each of them heard their lang- the language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Pontus and Asia, and I have no idea, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Liberia near Cyrene, visitors of Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said that they have had too much wine. Again, reminder, Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You're able to do things you weren't able to do before, and you will have courage to do things and live in such a way that the world's going to look at and say, where'd you get that courage? right? Because that's what was happening here. They looked at these guys, thought they were drunk. And I shared last week, if you've ever been around somebody with drunk courage, they do things they would never do, right? You know, so they operate in ways that before drinking, they did this. After drinking, they talk and say things and act in ways they'd never do before. So in this, they were looking at him saying, what gives them this courage to be able to do that? Same as a Christian. What gives you the courage to be able to do it? Because the Holy Spirit's living inside of you. So when we dream, we will live with courage, Then Peter stood up uh, with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. 
These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. So just real quick, let me give you a quick little background into this. So if you've ever read the Old Testament before, God spoke differently in the Old Testament than he does in the New Testament. Okay, so in the Old Testament, when you're reading, here's what you see. God spoke to the prophets, right? And he would say to the prophets, go and speak to somebody else. You know what I mean? So he'd go to the prophet and he'd say, go speak to the nation of Israel. And this is what I want you to say to them. And so prophets were the mouthpiece for God. So he only spoke to people who were prophets and or at times he spoke to kings, right? So it was selective in how God spoke to people. So what the prophet Joel is saying, the communication line is now changing. So after Jesus, this is what he's saying. I will now, as I spoke to the prophets and revealed things to them, or I spoke to the kings and revealed stuff to them, it was only certain people. Now it's everybody. I will speak to each person. That's why I try to tell people If you think that pastors or spiritual leaders have a special line to God and he speaks to them more than he wants to speak to you, that's wrong. No one gets more access to God than somebody else. We all have the same access, right? We all have the same ability to be able to tap into God speaking into our life, which is the important part of dreaming, right? Some some people are like, well, you know, God speaks to those people differently than he speaks to me. What he really doesn't. More of the question is, is that are you willing to listen, right? And are you open to providing opportunities for him to speak into your lives? And so I wanted to make sure we saw, you know, what the prophet Joel prophesied was is in the last days, meaning from the time Jesus rose from the dead. This is just real quick. When anytime it talks about in the Bible, the last days means this. From the time that Jesus Christ rose and sat at the right hand of the Father till he comes back. Those are the last days. So your last days are going to happen somewhere in between there. Some of your last days are going to be done and never see the return of Jesus Christ and go directly to heaven. Some of you in this room are going to see Jesus come back. That's the last days. So in the last days, from the resurrection till Jesus Christ coming back, he wants to speak to each one of you, and he wants you to do this. This is, what, this is how he says he's going to speak. He says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How's he going to speak to his people? Through dreams and visions and, and revealing through the Holy Spirit. But he's going to speak to all people. You notice how he didn't discriminate? It's not men or women. It's all people, right? Everybody's, he didn't say to just pastors or just leaders. He says to all people, this is what I'm going to do and this is what I'm going to give and this is how it's going to come out, right? Like you're going to, you're going to start seeing visions and you're going to get dreams and you're going to start, you know, you're going to be able to prophesy, like prophesying meaning I see a vision that has yet to come true. That's prophecy, right? I see something that, that nobody else sees, and I'm going to tell you about it. That's, that's this daydreaming of like what's to come. And he says, you know what? You're going to do it. Like that's going to be a part of like God's going to reveal stuff to you and give you the ability to be able to do those things. But he says in the midst of all of that, you notice how he kind of grounds it at the end, just so we know, I'm going to give you those dreams, but 
the foundational part of those dreams is all the same. The reason I give you a dream is so that all people can be saved. Don't get too caught up, right? I'm going to give you a dream, but this is the reason, you know why I'm giving you a dream? Because I want no man to not have the hope of Jesus Christ in their life. No man, right? So he says to every person in this room, I'm going to give you these dreams, and I'm going to give you these visions, and I'm going to prophesy, you know, you're going to prophesy, but the bottom line of all of that, and we could relate that to anything that you're doing, like he's giving you, you know, a dream for your business, he's giving you a dream for your marriage, he's giving you a dream for your kids, he's giving you a dream for whatever, right? Grow your business, make some money, but don't forget the bottom line that you're going to be held accountable for is, right? Like that's kind of bring it back to this idea, like at the end, this is what matters. So in that, it gives us this foundation. Now, how do you open your heart? So if you were one of those people that said, you know what, I walked away last week and I really wanted to dream, but I really got nothing. I'm going to start giving you some like, how do I have some practical things to be able to open my heart up to it? Here's the first place that you need to start. The first place starts with confession, right? Confess, you know, and I know you don't want to do this, but it's okay to confess that I've had my priorities wrong in my life and I've let the busyness of life distract me away from the dreams of God. Because you can't be like, God, I want to dream, but then at the same time, you know, not confess that, you know what, I'm living a life that doesn't allow me to dream. How about just confess that we all get our priorities mixed up sometimes? Thank you for one person out there being like, yeah, we, right? Like, I just think we got to do that. Like, isn't it okay just to say, you know what? Sometimes in life, we get messed up. Sometimes in life, the busyness of life and the things of life and the cares of the world get in the way of the dreams of God. So how about we just sit down and say, you know what? I'm going to say today, I'm just going to confess. I haven't been open to, I haven't thought through, I haven't put myself in a position of, and you know what? I'm going to confess it because when I confess it, it at least builds a platform so then God can reveal things to us. But it starts with confession and being able to, you know, go to that place and and realize where we are because it can only take you from where you really are to where he wants you to be. But if you won't really admit where you are, he can't get started. Okay, so we need to confess. Here's the next thing you do. You actually should probably ask now. So some people I talked to this week and we were talking about this whole idea like, I'm not really getting anything. You know, I really want God to reveal his dreams to me. And, and I'm like, did you ask him? Well, I mean, kinda. I mean, I left here saying I'm open to, to God. You know, I left the service last week being on fire saying, God, deliver your dreams. And I said, how much of your quiet time did you say, you know, you know what, I'm going to quiet my mind for just a second, God, and I want to ask you to reveal to me, your servant, what you want for my life. Well, I mean, I didn't really have any quiet time this week because you know how the week goes, right? I didn't really have any time to sit alone with God. I didn't really have any time, you know, but I thought about it. You know, like when I was driving down the road, you know, or when I was on Facebook and I was reminded of what happened on Sunday morning, I was like, oh, crap, I should probably be dreaming. That's not how it works, right? Like if you really want God to reveal his dreams to you, then get to a place where you can ask and listen at the same time, right? So provide opportunities where you can quiet your mind. Because you know how hard it is to quiet your mind? Very difficult to quiet your mind. And if you want to hear from him, you got to provide space for it to happen. So you got to get to the place where you can quiet your mind and then ask him to use you as a servant of his to accomplish his dreams because that's what you're asking, right? You're saying, God, reveal dreams to me, but they're really his dreams that we're here to serve and accomplish, right? And he wants to use us uh, in that way. The last part of it is this, pay attention, like pay attention to what he's doing. And so here's how you pay attention. 
right? Here's how you kind of wake yourself up. Ask yourself this question. You could ask, you know, right now. What breaks your heart? So right now, think about this. What breaks your heart? Because you know what part of our problem is? As you get so busy in the world, nothing breaks your heart anymore. You know what I mean? Like you're, you, you've, you've created a bubble around yourself. You've insulated yourself from the hurt of the world and the hurt of the people around you. And you can no longer get to this place where anything breaks your heart, right? Like you're not opening yourself up to God reveal to me what breaks your heart. Let whatever breaks your heart, break my heart. Because here's what you need to know about that. When you ask these questions, it's not the same for every person. And it doesn't have to be, right? Like I'll, I'll tell you, like this is personal. You know what breaks my heart? To see 34, 35, 36, 37, 40, 45 year old men that are still boys. Like it breaks my heart. Like it breaks my heart that we live in, in, in a generation of men that for whatever reason still want to be boys, right? They still don't want to take on the responsibility of being a man. Breaks my heart when I look at these young people that are growing up and as much as it just drives me crazy because I'm like, can you just be a man, you know, to these young kids? And, and, and they don't say this, but I know what they're saying. What example do I have? I don't have a father that gives me an example of what it means to be a man. I don't have an example of somebody around me that I can look to to be able to see what it looks like. I don't, you know, my dad is busy building his business, not, you know, building into his kids or whatever those things are. You know what I mean? That breaks my heart. Right? It breaks my heart, and that's why I've said from the beginning, that's always broke my heart. And so my mission in this world is to reach men, and to train men, to train young men to be kingdom builders. That's my mission in this world. Right? And as long as I exist, it'll be something that'll break my heart forever, and I want God to show me dreams on how to reach men. I want God to show me dreams on how to train a generation of young people to change this world. Like that's, you know, that's what I want to see. And so that's for me though, right? So when I'm dreaming, the things that God reveals to me is that. So I pay attention to what breaks my heart. The other part of it is not only what breaks my heart, but what gives you life, right? So part of your dreaming, you know, and, and I think you need to be okay with this, is like God designed you in a certain ways and you have certain loves and so whatever breaks your heart and as he reveals dreams to you, it's gonna be also like how he wired you. Does that make sense? So when it comes to, just use the example of reaching men, here's one of the great things that, that uh, I, I can come to. I know that God wants me to reach men and I'm thankful that he'll allow me to do it in the way that I was wired and not in some other way. Like if he said reach men by having a, tea party on Sunday morning where everybody, all these men get together and you share about your feelings, I'd be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but if we could go kill something, like, I mean, we could go out and go hunting and kill something, or we can go out and shoot guns, or we can go out. I mean, I'm just telling you, this is me. Like, this isn't for everybody, but this is the way I'm wired. I'm wired. We can go out and work on something, fix something. Like, that's the way God wired me. So God reveals dreams that also fit with the way that I was wired. And in the midst of that, I think he can make it effective, right? So I think for each one of us, don't forget the way you were wired. Don't try to be something that you're not. God wants to use you the way that you are to be able to reach whatever it is that breaks his heart and should also break our heart. And the last one, the last couple are this, what is that thing that you can't shake? 
you ever had that? So I, for me personally, it was, I was supposed to play in a church, didn't want to play in a church. You're supposed to be in full-time ministry, didn't want to do it. And you just can't shake it. So when it comes to opening up your heart, is there that thing that just keeps coming back? You know what I mean? Like you, you put it off because there was barriers and you put it off and then it keeps coming back and it keeps coming back. So whatever you shake, open your heart to that. And the last part of it is if you haven't dreamed yet, you know, if you're working through the whole dreaming process, start with this, participate in God's dream for you. You know what God's dream is for every Christian per- person in this room? The Great Commission, that you will go out, reach people, teach people, and send them out. That's your job. So if you dreamed about that lately, like if you dreamed about this idea that God has the original dream for each one of us in this room, right? And are you participating and thinking in the ways that he said from the beginning? I'm leaving. You're here. I have a dream for you. You know what that dream is? That no one on this earth will ever take their last breath without hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ spoken to them. And guess what? I'm using you. <laughs> Are you going to participate in that dream? You know what I mean? So participate in his dream while he's still revealing how he specifically wants to be able to use you in the midst of that. And that can open your heart to those things. Now, I'm going to give you six ways real quick of how then now you opened your heart and God started to reveal a dream to you. Okay, so he starts to reveal this. Now, how do you work through it? You know, how do you take this and make sure it is what God wants and how do we navigate this dream that God gives us? It starts with this. Here's the first one. You got to pray about it, right? So if God starts to reveal a dream to you, make sure that the first person you talk to is him before you talk to anybody else. And here's why. If you have a God-sized dream and you talk to somebody else before you talk to God, there's a good chance you're getting talked out of it in the first five minutes, right? I'll just give you an example. So when, when I got to this place where like, hey, because I want you to hear this. When you hear this, I think everybody thinks the same thing as everybody else did. Hey, you know, I'm married and I have three young children and my wife just built this dream house and it's right beside her parents and I work at Zerker Tire and I'm making a lot of money and I moved up into management and I'm where everybody wanted to be. But guess what? I'm going to plan a church, sell everything we own, move over to Huntington where I don't know anybody and this money that I was making to take care of my family, going over and planning a church, we don't have a guaranteed salary and I don't know if anybody will come. What do you think of the dream. Right? Like how many of the people have been like, are you nuts? You know, but you know why? Because I, I told people this, like some of the people that I shared it with, you know, including my boss at the time, I went to him and I'm like, hey, Mark, you know, God's just moving something in me. I'm so excited. I'm going to go over and plant a church. And, you know, he, his first response back was, well, just so you know, you can't have your job back when it doesn't work. You know what I'm saying? Like the natural response of people is to make sure you're being a realist, right? Make sure that you understand all the consequences that go with dreaming. And those would have affected me greatly if I hadn't first settled this with God, right? So I went to him and him and I settled something. And that was, he called me to plant a church and I hear what everybody else is saying and I know it doesn't make sense to anybody else and I know, what you're, I know how this looks to everybody else. But at the end of the day, I have an audience of one. And I want you to know that I heard from him. And I hear you, but it's not going to detract away from the one that I heard from first. Right? So if you're going to have a dream, take it to the right person first. And in the midst of that, then you'll be able to solidify something that no outside voices that are trying to discourage you will ever get in. Good? Okay, here's the second one. Filter it through God's word. 
right? So we need to take everything and filter it through God's word. Now, here's why. Just real quick, we've got to remember this. There's, there are two spirits at work when it comes to providing dreams in your life. One is the Holy Spirit and one is Satan, right? Both of them want you to dream, okay? I want you to hear this. When you dream, one of the things you're going to recognize is that dream that God lays out before you isn't an easy path, right? I'll just I'll speak from experience. If you have a God-sized dream, whatever's in front of you and the path that's laid out is not an easy it's not an easy path. So Satan knows, you know the best way to distract you from accomplishing the dreams of God? Give you another path and another dream. Right? Sometimes you think Satan wants to destroy you. He doesn't want to destroy you. He just wants to give you another dream to keep you distracted away from the things that God has for you. Jesus went into the wilderness. You know, when Jesus went into the desert and, and, and Satan tempted him, remember that? Well, you know what you got to do, Jesus. You got to go to a cross and you got to suffer and you're going to be beaten beyond human recognition. You have to take on all the sins of mankind and you're going to get spit on and, and you could call down angels, but you're not going to be able to do. Or you could do this, right? Isn't that what Satan did? Or you could take the easy road, or you could go down this path, and you could do. How did Jesus respond to him? As it is written, he took lies and put them back to truth. The truth that God said is, through God's word is. So when you're going through this God-sized dream and you're looking at it in these ways, you've got to be able to filter it through God's word. What does he want, right? And how does he want those things? Because think about it, you know, Sometimes we get messed up in the midst of filtering, you know, looking at our dreams and the things that, that God wants for us because we don't go back and match it up to or filter it through the things that God has. Because think about it for our kids sometimes. I mean, parents, you need to teach, teach your kids to be dreamers. You need to teach your kids to, to, to go out and fulfill all of those dreams. But filtered through God means they will dream on purpose, right? Like you're going to help them achieve their dreams, but their dreams are purposeful. And you need to celebrate purposeful dreams and celebrate the accolades that matter at the end and not the things that don't matter, right? Because I say this to parents all the time. You know what's something crazy? And I went through this, like, so I'm not pointing fingers at everybody, you know, so we, we went through those, those ideas of like, you raise your kids up and you know, they go out and, and we want them to, to be college athletes. So they went to all the travel stuff and we're celebrating all the travel stuff and they could be able to be, be in college athletics. Again, nothing wrong with that and, and get full scholarships because I'm not paying for their college, you know, so they're going to have to figure out how to be able to get it done. And so they go out there and do it. And so many times the world, right, this is what they want to do. Great job. I saw, Lexi, that you got something player of the year. Great job. You know, and behind the scenes, I'm like, Lexi, that was awesome. I'm glad you got player of the year. But you know what I'm most proud of you for? You reached one of your teammates for Jesus. That you took the time to sit with them and talk with them about what matters most when their life was messed up. Because you can win all the accolades in the world, right? Which is awesome as long as it's for a purpose. Right? Like you can grow your business to the biggest that you want it to be as long as the purpose is I'm going to use this to be able to further the kingdom, right? So filter through the hand of God or through the word of God gives us this idea so that we don't get too caught up in Satan that's giving us a dream and the dreams to distract us away from the things that God wants, right? We have to go back to what is it that the Holy Spirit wants uh, inside of that. Then the third one is this, when the door is open, step out in faith. So when a door is open, you're going to need to take a step of faith. And I say this because remember, 
if you go out and you are living out a God-sized dream, it's going to take steps of faith, and you're going to have to take them. And if you're unwilling to, to, to share your dream, to take out a step of faith with the right people, you're going to lose. Your dream's going to die in the, in the incubation phase of just being able to, to get it out. As an example, when we came over here to Plant Life Church, so we were supposed to be in Central School. If you're from Huntington, you know, you know Central School was down there. And they were essentially going to give us the building, and we were going to plant in there, so it made, it made sense, right? Because we don't have any money. You know, we're coming over here to plant a church, and so we needed a building that facilitated this idea that, you know, we could not have to spend a bunch of money. And so on our way over here to sign the document for Huntington to give us the school, we get a call from somebody who says the superintendent just decided they don't want to give the school to a church. And we're like wow, like, this was the dream, right? This is the way it was supposed to go. This is the only way it was going to be able to be facilitated because we, small group of people who know nobody here, don't have a lot of funds, need to play in a church. So we went back. I came back and said, you know what? I'm just going to go over and I'm going to look for other buildings, okay? So I'm driving around Huntington and I come here. <laughs> just think about this, right? So we have very little money and no people, and I pull up to this building, and it used to be the pond out front was, like, really beautiful, and, like, there was a fountain and lights and, a, you know, I mean, the glass on the front of it, and I come walking in here, and you look at this place, and I grab the flyer. I'm like, I think this is where God wants us to be. So I go back, you know, and, and imagine this, right? So imagine that I go back to people, and I say, you know what I'm thinking? I think it was way big. I think that was a God thing that we don't get central school. You know why? Because I think he wants us to have this building. You know why he wants us to have this building? Because we're going to be able to start businesses. It's going to be a community center. And we're going to do it. I'm throwing it out there, right? Can you imagine how that went? I mean, think about it if you were sitting on the other end. You're a church planner with no people, right? And no resources. And you say, you know, the 60,000 square foot building, I see it becoming a community center someday. I see it being able to use as business for mission. I see it as a place that's going to reach hundreds upon hundreds of people. And people are sitting back there thinking, I don't know, I don't know. But you know what happened? And I tell people this all the time. Resources follow vision. And most people struggle to share vision because they're worried about resources. And I'm like, you know what? God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and it's all his anyway, so why am I not going to share it? Right? Why am I not going to share it? Why are resources? I mean, people are out there. God's going to make it. If God wants this to happen, is he going to make it happen regardless of the barriers? So why am I going to say it? And when we get there, we can say, and anybody that's been here from the beginning would say, you know what, who gets the glory for all of this? Him, because it was impossible. Nobody would have thought this is how Life Church would ever be. You never thought that you could see a building, you know, 17 years ago turned into this. But at the end of the day, we have to be or understand that when the door is open, we got we to take a step of faith out. The other one is this, number four, be selective of who you talk to about your dream, right? So you should have a, pe- you should have a group of people around you that you can share your dream with that are going to encourage you, okay? So you should build yourself around those people. Now, I'm going to share something, and, and again, I hope it doesn't offend too many people, because it's just the reality of my life. So whether it fits anybody else, this is the way it was. So when I first came over here, there's, and I think it probably still is out there, but there's this thing called the Pastors Association. And so when you get here, everybody tells you what to do. 
you know, so like if you're the pastor of the church, then you need to go to the pastor's association thing, you know, meal or whatever it was at the time. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'll go. And I'm going with this, like, I'm pretty excited to talk about what God's going to do, you know? So I show up at the pastor, whatever that thing was, association. And I'm like, they're like, hey, tell us about what's going on. And I mean, I'm like, we got this building and I'm dreaming about this. And I think God's going to do this. And I mean, I'm like, super excited. And I'm looking across the room and I'm like so excited to share with these other pastors who I think are dreaming the same thing. How are we going to transform Huntington? Because there's 110 churches here and very few people are coming. And how are we going to change it? Right? How are we going to do that? I'm looking across there and I get done. And they're like, thanks for sharing. Okay, let's take an opportunity. We're going we're gonna to plan the turkey dinner. You know, any volunteers to, you know, get volunteers for the turkey dinner. And our next thing on the agenda is how to get defibrillators or whatever you think that gets people revived after they die in your church. Like, how do you get them all in there? And I'm like, what the world am I sitting in? <laughs> like, I know there's need for turkey dinners and like whatever those, is that what they're called, defibrillators? Yeah, whatever they are. Like, I know you need them. But I can't sit around and talk about this. Like, I'm going to go crazy. Like, I need to sit around with people that are dreaming about things. People who are looking for God to do things that he's never done before in a community that needs Jesus. Right? So I had to surround myself with those people because otherwise, that wasn't going to work for me. Now, I've never been back, so maybe they're dreaming and doing it and doing all those things. But in the beginning, that couldn't work for me because that's not who I am. So I needed to surround myself with people who could see church outside of the box and not how to just do church inside of the box and make it work, right? So that was important. The other part of it is when we talk about people, like you need to surround yourself with people and you need to have the right people around you and you need to also be the right person, okay? So I wanna make sure you understand this. Parents, you can teach your kids to dream, but don't forget that your words can also crush their dreams, I know, like, listen, you could be out there like, be a dreamer, and, you know, and then they come to you, and you're like, let me tell you about your dream, and you're like, well, that's dumb. Like, I'm just telling you, it happens, right? Like, that will never happen. I get it. I told you to dream, but don't, I mean, like, tone it down a little bit. Like, come back to reality. I, I know that, like, most people don't think that that happens, but it happens. Or the same thing. Wives, be careful. If you want your husband to be a dreamer, don't crush his dreams, because your words mean a lot. They just do. You know, you're out there and you're dreaming and then your wife's like, well, that's unrealistic or that's never going to happen. You know what I mean? You know what that does to, because it only happens from certain people. You know what I mean? The people that you love the most, you know how those words work, right? For the people that you love the most, when they speak into it, they can really take that and crush it and keep you from being a dreamer. So be careful People who are sharing dreams with you, like we can be real, like we can encourage them to say, let's filter it through the word of God. Let's, let's pray about it. Let's go down these roads. But if you just start with like, that'll never happen. And that was dumb. And I don't know why you're thinking about this and blah, blah, blah. And go think about something else. And you don't allow that environment. You will take somebody who wants to dream and crush it. Right? So open yourself up to those things. Surround yourself with the right people. Number five, when the time is right, put your whole heart in it. When you have a dream, you're going to have to fight for your dream. Okay, we already know this, that, that, that if you're going to live a life for Jesus Christ, you're going to have to fight for it. And if you don't know that from the beginning, that it's going to be a fight, you will give up. I said that. Listen, one of the things that, that, that I'm very thankful for is, is that from the beginning, I knew that planning life church and taking a step out and doing the things over the past 17 years to, to further the kingdom was going to be a fight. Because if I didn't know that, I would have gave up a long time ago. 
because I, although I said those things, I did not realize how much of a fight it was going to be. I didn't realize how much heartache there was going to be. I didn't realize how hard it was going to be to move into those places. So I had to be at the place where I'm all in. Like, God, you told me to plant a church, and until you call me away from it, I don't care what happens here. I don't care how difficult it is, how much heartache there is. You called me here, and until you call me away, you have all of me. And when you go into a dream, you better go in it that way because you're going to find opposition that's going to try to move you off that path. And if you're not all in, you're quitting. And you know how many people miss the blessing of God because they quit too early? Right? You just gave up too early. You didn't see. Like, I think about this a lot. What if I would have given up 10 years ago, 8 years ago, 5, you know, whatever that was? I would not see this. I wouldn't see the faithfulness of God because it just stuck it out, right? And what's going to happen in the next 10 years? I'm going to stick it until he calls me away or calls me home. I'm in because I want to see the faithfulness of God be revealed because I didn't quit too early. Here's the last one. Last one is this. No matter what happens, don't be defined by it. So the worship team is going to come back up. So I'm going to give you this ending that hopefully will bring it all together for you. Whatever happens, because here's what you know. If you're going to dream... Some are going to work and some aren't. Don't be defined by the ones that do and don't be defined by the ones who don't, right? Because if you're defined by either one of that, you're going to end up on the wrong side of the scale. You need to be defined by your identity in Jesus Christ and being his servant. And if it was not supposed to work, it wasn't supposed to work. If it was supposed to work, it was because of him and he was involved in all of it. And so we can be at peace with where we ended up here, on top and on the bottom, and the only thing that's sacred at the end of the day is Jesus Christ. That's why we can dream freely here. I tell our staff at Life Church, dream freely. You know why you can dream freely here? Because there are no failures. You know what failure at Life Church is? Doing nothing. That's failure. The failure at Life Church is sitting back, worried about all of the obstacles and doing nothing about it. Because your identity at Life Church as a staff member or your identity at Life Church as a leader is not defined by the things that you won or lost. It's defined by your willingness to be a servant of the Lord. Your willingness to take steps out of faith. Your willingness to be able to find your identity as a follower of Jesus Christ, not in the things that you do. So anybody know Sarah Blakely? Spanks? girls, right? Come on. Like, I love, I love the story because Jesse Itzler, so I read Jesse Itzler's books, which is like Living with a Seal, Living with the Monks. Like, I loved those books. And he talks about his wife, Sarah Blakely, who had Spanx. Well, just want to give you a, a brief picture of this because I think it'll help bring it, this into perspective. So Spanx just sold to Blackstone for $1.2 billion a month ago right? So Sarah Blakely started Spanx with $5,000 that she raised from, from selling fax machines and decided that she had a pair of white pants that she couldn't wear. So she cut off some pantyhose to make it all work, you know, so that she could wear these pants and she's dreaming and her dream is becoming successful. And now people look at her and say, look what Sarah Blakely did. $1.2 billion. And anybody in the world would say success, right? But Jesse Itzler in an interview says, you know what, it's great that the company made 1.2 billion, but I wanted you to know what true success is defined by Sarah and our family. In the midst of raised that company over 20 years, she never missed her opportunity or her turn in the carpool line. She never missed her opportunity to be my wife. She never missed her opportunity to be a part of the family that what defined her 
was not $1.2 billion, but I, her identity was found as a mother and as a wife and as a friend and as a family member, right? And the same thing is for us, right? Like if we're gonna get this right on, in, in our lives, we have to be defined by who Jesus has called us to be. We have to be defined by what we said from the beginning. The original dream for each one of us is the same. What you're gonna be held accountable for at the end of your life is did you reach people? And I'm hoping you're dreaming and I'm hoping you're asking and I'm hoping you're looking, you're wiring and I'm hoping that all of these things are coming to fruition because at the end of the day, he wants to use you and there is a world around that is lost. Today, whether you want to hear this or not, there are real people. Like I, part of, you know what part of the problem with funerals are? Everybody's going to a better place. They're not. They're not. Everybody's not going to a better place. There are people who don't know Jesus who are going to spend an eternity in hell. And it's our job, the servants of the Lord, living out the dreams that he has for us life to share the gospel so that no one could ever say it didn't have a chance, right? And so my question for each one of us is that, well, we dream in that way. We allow, we step out in faith and do those things in your life. And we have an opportunity to take communion today. So we're gonna take communion uh, as a church. And let me uh, remind you what communion is about. And it goes right along with this whole idea of dreaming because you know what? Your life was bought at a price. So you need to be reminded of this, that that Jesus Christ, beaten beyond human recognition, who died on a cross for you so that you could have the freedom to live with the Holy Spirit in you and so that you could accomplish the dreams that he has for you, but it was bought at a price. And communion is a time to remind yourself, am I living up to the price that was paid for my life? Right? Am I at a place that the sacrifice from Jesus that was made for me, am I wasting it? Or am I taking advantage of it? And it's an opportunity to be reminded of the sacrifice so that we can also be reminded of the cost and so we can be pushed into motion to do the things that God's called us to do. So if you're online during this last song, you can take an opportunity as the band is playing to go and get some, some bread and some juice and participate with us. We'd love for you to participate in communion with us. If you are here at our main campus, so if you haven't already picked up one of the communion cups, so I had to learn this from the beginning. So the top has the little wafer thing. So you take the top off first, has the wafer, and then you take the next layer off and it has the juice. But here's what we'd like to do. During this last song, take an opportunity because God says, search your heart before you come up and take communion. Search your heart, see where you're at. If there's sins that need to be forgiven, ask for forgiveness and then come forward with the opportunity to, again, be reminded of the sacrifice that God made for you. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for the opportunity for us as a church to take communion together, to be reminded of your sacrifice and the cost that, that you paid for each one of our lives. May we be reminded when it comes to dreaming and living out the dreams that you have for each one of our lives, Lord, that we will also remember that the price that was paid to give us the ability to be able to do it. So, Heavenly Father, we want to honor you through communion, and we, Lord, we want to just open ourselves up to and our hearts open to, Lord, show us and give us the vision and the dreams that you want for each one of our lives. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
Sing that chorus one more time. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. So I hope for each one of us as we leave today that you will open up your hearts to the things that, that God sees for you. Because each person in this room, he sees things for you. I want you to participate in where he already is. And so we as a church and as individuals go where he is, live by faith, and allow the world to be transformed through the dreams that he gives each one of us. So thanks for being here with us this week at our main campus. Thanks for joining us online. We'll see you guys next week.